0: The Sixth Mansion, Chapter 7, of The Interior Castle by St. Teresa of Avila. This is a Discerning Hearts recording, read by Chris McGregor. The Interior Castle by St. Teresa of Avila, translated by the Benedictines of Stanbrook. It may seem to you, sisters, that souls to whom God has communicated Himself in such a special manner may feel so sure of enjoying him forever as no longer to require to fear or to mourn over their past sins. Those of you will be most apt to hold this opinion who have never received the like favors. Souls to whom God has granted these graces will understand what I say. This is a great mistake. For sorrow for sin increases in proportion to the divine grace received, and I believe will never quit us until we come to the land where nothing can grieve us any more. Doubtless we feel this pain more at one time than at another, and it is of a different kind. A soul so advanced as that we speak of does not think of the punishment threatening its offenses, but of its great ingratitude towards him to whom it owes so much and who so justly deserves that it should serve him for the sublime mysteries revealed have taught it much about the greatness of God. This soul wonders at its former temerity and weeps over its irreverence. Its foolishness in the past seems a madness which it never ceases to lament, as it remembers for what vile things it forsook so great a sovereign. The thoughts dwell on this more than on the favors received, which, like those I am about to describe, are so powerful that they seem to rush through the soul at times, like a strong, swift river. Yet the sins remain, like the mire in the riverbed, and dwell constantly in the memory, making a heavy cross to bear. I know someone who, though she had ceased to wish for death in order to see God, yet desired it, That she might be freed from her continual regret for her past ingratitude towards him to whom she owed, and always would owe, so much. She thought no one's guilt could be compared to her own, for she felt that there could be none with whom God had borne so patiently, nor on whom he had bestowed such graces. Souls that have reached the state I speak have ceased to fear hell. At times, though very rarely, They grieve keenly over the possibility of their losing God. Their sole dread is lest he should withdraw his hand, allowing them to offend him so that they might return to their former miserable condition. They care nothing for their own pain or glory. If they are anxious not to stay long in purgatory, it is more on account of its keeping them from the presence of God than because of its torments. Whatever favors God may have shown a soul, I think it is dangerous for it to forget the unhappy state it was once in. Painful as the remembrance may be, it is most beneficial. Perhaps I think so, because I have been so wicked, and that may be the reason why I never forget my sins. People who have led good lives have no cause for grief, yet we always fall at times whilst living in this mortal body. This pain is not lessened by reflecting that our Lord has already forgiven and forgotten our faults. Our grief is rather increased at seeing such kindness and favors bestowed on one who deserves nothing but hell. I think St. Paul and the Magdalene must have thus suffered a cruel martyrdom. Their love was intense. They received many miracles and received the greatness and the majesty of God and so must have found it very hard to bear the remembrance of their sins, which they must have regretted with a most tender sorrow. You may fancy that one who has enjoyed such high favors need not meditate on the mysteries of the most sacred humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ, but will be wholly absorbed in love. I have written fully about this elsewhere. I have been contradicted and told I was wrong and did not understand the matter, that our Lord guides souls in such a way that after having made progress, it is best to exercise oneself in matters concerning the Godhead and to avoid what is corporal. Yet nothing will make me admit that this latter is a good way. I may be mistaken. We may all really mean the same thing, but I found the devil was trying to lead me astray in this manner. Having been warned by the experience of this respell, I have decided to speak again about it here, although I have very often done so elsewhere. Be most cautious on the subject. Attend to what I venture to say about it, and do not believe anyone who tells you the contrary. I will endeavor to explain myself more clearly than I did before, person who undertook to write on the matter had treated it more explicitly, he would have done well, for it may do much harm to speak of it in general terms to us women who have scanty wits. Some souls imagine they cannot meditate even on the passion, still less on the most blessed virgin or the saints, the memory of whose lives greatly benefits and strengthens us. I cannot think what such persons are to meditate upon. For to withdraw the thoughts from all corporal things like the angelic spirits who are always inflamed with love is not possible for us while in this mortal flesh. We need to study, to meditate upon, and to imitate those who, mortals like ourselves, perform such heroic deeds for God. How much less should we willfully endeavor to abstain from thinking of our only good and remedy, the most sacred humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ? I cannot believe that anyone really does this. They misunderstand their own minds and so harm both themselves and others. Of this, at least, I can assure them. They will never thus enter the last two mansions of the castle. If they lose their guide, our good Jesus... They cannot find the way, and it will be much if they have stayed safely in the former mansions. Our Lord himself tells us that he is the way. He also says that he is the light, that no man cometh to the Father but by him, and that he that seeth me sees the Father also. Such persons tell us that these words have some other meaning. I know of no other meaning but this which my soul has ever recognized as the true one and which has always suited me right well. Some people, many of whom have spoken to me on the subject, after our Lord has once raised them to perfect contemplation, wish to enjoy it continually. This is impossible. Still, the grace of this state remains in their souls in such a way that they cannot reason as before on the mysteries of the Passion and the life of Christ. I cannot account for it. But it is very usual for the mind thus to remain less apt for meditation. I think it must be because, as the one end of meditation is to seek God after he has once been found, and the soul is accustomed to seek him again by means of the will, it no longer wearies itself by searching for him with the intellect. It also appears to me that as the will is already inflamed with love, This generous faculty would, if it could, cease to make use of the reason. This would be well were it not impossible, especially before the soul has reached the last two mansions. Time spent in prayer would thus be lost as the will often needs the use of the understanding to rekindle its love. Notice this point, sisters, which, as it is important, I will explain more fully. Such a soul desires to spend all its time in loving God and wishes to do nothing else. But it cannot succeed, for though the will is not dead, yet the flame which kindled it is dying out, and the spark needs fanning into a glow. Ought the soul to remain quiescent in this aridity, waiting like Father Elijah for fire to descend from heaven to consume the sacrifice which it makes of itself to God? certainly not. It is not right to expect miracles. God will work them for this soul when he chooses. As I've told you already, and shall do again, his majesty wishes us to hold ourselves unworthy of their being wrought on our account, and desires us to help ourselves to the best of our abilities. In my opinion, We ought during our whole life to act in this manner, however sublime our prayer may be. True, those whom the Lord admits into the seventh mansion rarely or never need thus to help their fervour, for the reason I will tell you of, if I recollect it, when I come to write of this room, where, in a wonderful manner, souls are constantly in the company of Christ our Lord, both in his humanity and his divinity. Thus, When the fire in our hearts, which I spoke, does not burn in the will, nor do we feel the presence of God, we must search for him, as he would have us do, like the brides in the canticles, and must ask all creatures, who was it that made them, as St. Augustine, either in his soliloquies or his confessions, tells us that he did. Thus we shall not stand like blockheads wasting our time in waiting for what we before enjoyed. At first, it may be that our Lord will not renew His gift again for a year, or even for many years. His Majesty knows the reason which we should not try to discover, since there is no need for us to understand it. As most certainly the way to please God is to keep the commandments and counsels, let us do so diligently, while meditating on His life and death. And all we owe him, then let the rest be as God chooses. Some may answer that their mind refuses to dwell on these subjects, and for the above causes, this to a certain extent is true. You know that it is one thing to reason, and another thing for the memory to bring certain truths before the mind. Perhaps you may not understand me. Possibly I fail to express myself rightly, but I will do my best. Using the understanding, much in this manner, is what I call meditation. Let us begin by considering the mercy God showed us by giving us His only Son. Let us not stop here, but go on to reflect upon all the mysteries of His glorious life, or let us first turn our thoughts to His prayer in the garden. Then allow them to continue the subject until they reach the crucifixion. Or we may take some part of the passion such as Christ's apprehension, and dwell on this mystery, considering in detail the points to be pondered and thought over, such as the treachery of Judas, the flight of the apostles, and all that followed. This is an admirable and very meritorious kind of prayer. Souls led by God in supernatural ways and raised to perfect contemplation are right in declaring they cannot practice this kind of meditation as I said, I know not why, but as a rule they are unable to do so. Yet they would be wrong in saying that they cannot dwell on these mysteries nor frequently think about them, especially when these events are being celebrated by the Catholic Church. Nor is it possible for the soul which has received so much from God to forget these precious proofs of his love, which are living sparks to flame the heart with greater love for our Lord. Nor can the mind fail to understand them. Such a soul comprehends these mysteries, which are brought before the mind and stamped on the memory in a more perfect way than with other people, so that the mere sight of our Lord prostrate in the garden, covered with his terrible sweat, suffices to engross the thoughts not merely for an hour, but for several days. The soul looks with a simple gaze upon who he is and how ungrateful we treat him in return for such terrible sufferings. I think this is why such souls cannot reason connectedly about the passion and fancy they are unable to meditate on it. Those who do not meditate on this subject had better begin to do so. For I know that it will not impede the most sublime prayer, nor is it well to omit praising this often. If God then sees it fit to rapture them, well and good, even if they are reluctant. He will make them cease to meditate. I am certain that this way is most helpful to the soul and not the hindrance it would become were great efforts made to use the intellect. This, as I said, I believe cannot be done when a higher state of prayer is attained. It may be otherwise in some cases, for God leads souls in many different ways. Let not those be blamed, however, who are unable to discourse much in prayer, nor should they be judged and capable of enjoying the great graces contained in the mysteries of Jesus Christ, our only good, which no one, however spiritual he may be, can persuade me it is well to omit contemplating. There are souls who, having made a beginning or advanced halfway, When they begin to experience the prayer of quiet and to taste the sweetness and consolations God gives, think it is a great thing to enjoy these spiritual pleasures continually. Life is long and full of crosses, and we have need to look on Christ, our pattern, to see how he bore his trials, and even to take example by his apostles and saints if we would bear our own trials perfectly. Our good Jesus and his most blessed mother are too good company to be left, and he is well pleased if we grieve at his pains, even though sometimes at the cost of our own consolations and joys. Besides, daughters, consolations are not so frequent in prayer that we have no time for this as well. If anyone should tell me she continually enjoys them and that she is one of those who can never meditate on the divine mysteries, I should feel very doubtful about her state. Be convinced of this. Keep free from this deception, and to the utmost of your power, stop yourselves from being constantly immersed in this intoxication. If you cannot do so, tell the prioress, so that she may employ you too busily for you to think of the matter. Thus she will be free from this danger which, if it does no more, when it lasts long, greatly injures the health and brain. I have said enough to prove those who require it that, however spiritual their state, it is an error so to avoid thinking of corporal things as to imagine that meditation on the most sacred humanity can injure the soul. People allege in defense that our Lord told his disciples that it was expedient for them that he should go from them. This I cannot admit. He did not say so to his blessed mother, for her faith was firm. She knew he was both God and man, and although she loved him more dearly than did his disciples, it was in so perfect a way that his bodily presence was a help to her. The faith of the apostles must have been weaker than it was later on, and then ours has reason to be. I assure you, daughters, that I consider this a most dangerous idea whereby the devil might end by robbing us of our devotion to the Most Blessed Sacrament. The mistake I formerly made did not lead me as far as this, but I did not care so much about meditating on our Lord Jesus Christ, preferring to remain absorbed awaiting spiritual consolations. I recognized clearly that I was going wrong, For as I could not always keep in this state, my thoughts wandered hither and thither, and my soul seemed like a bird, ever flying about and finding no place for rest. Thus, I lost much time, and did not advance in virtue nor make progress in prayer. I did not understand the reason. And as I believed that I was acting wisely, I thought I should never have learned it but for the advice of a servant of God, whom I consulted about my mode of prayer. Then I perceived plainly how mistaken I had been, and I have never ceased regretting that there was a time when I did not realize how difficult it would be to gain by so great a loss. If I could, I would seek for nothing save by him through whom comes all the good we possess. May he be forever praised. Amen.